Well, hey, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. Well, in this episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we wrap up our series uh, in Excel. It's been a an exciting season for our church, and we discuss some of the things that we're looking forward to over the next couple of years as as we see it to fruition. And we also talk about the future. We talk about the next series we're in, uh, so stay tuned for that. As always, we would love for you to engage by asking questions or sharing some comments from Sunday's message. You can do so by joining us at quadcity.church slash podcast, where you can submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. And just as a reminder, even though the Excel series is done, this podcast, uh, Becoming Better episodes, will continue to drop uh, every single week of all series that we do from here on out right here on this channel. So be sure to join us next week as we jump into our new series on the Holy Spirit uh, called Someone is Missing. All right, without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, happy uh, Tuesday today. It is Tuesday. We're, we're day late. We are. That's my fault, guys. I had day late and a dollar short. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't that a saying? It buck a short. Saying. Day late and a buck short. That's right? a dollar, right? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one says a dollar short. That's all we said. Really? Yeah. Never, weird. I've never heard buck short. Yeah, day late and a buck short. 100%. Uh, really? That's a northern thing. Uh, we just, we just, no, it's always day late and a dollar short. That's what, that's, Let's be saying this interesting, huh? Maybe that's what we can talk about. Some, <laughs> some interesting, like sayings that you'll say, and nobody really knows what you're talking. I said something the other day, and people were like, What? What did you just say? And I was mm. like, Yeah, what was it? I don't remember now. Uh, See, that's what happens when you get older, <laughs> but I've never heard a buck short. Me neither, really. Never. Huh. That's interesting. All right, podcast people, uh, we'd like to hear this on Sunday. So, for those of you from the north, uh, oh, you know why is it, it is? Buck short. It's a Blink One Eighty Two song line. That's why it is. It just came to my head. It's it's a line in one of their songs. Oh, they so they were the just trying short. to make. So it maybe fit. it was just that. It was probably that. They yeah, were just trying to make it fit. And maybe that's the only time I've ever actually heard anyone say that. <laughs> so maybe that's why. I, yeah. Why do you use that saying? Day late and a dollar short. When, I don't know. I've heard it, but I don't know the context of why I would use it. Well, it's your your you. Uh, you're coming up short. You don't have enough. Uh, you're always just right. Ah, you just missed the opportunity. Hmm. You're a day late and you're a dollar short. Like you're you're just missing the opportunity. You're so close, but you just missed it again and again. Okay. I've used it, but I don't know if I ever used it correctly. <laughs> I've, but I've heard it multiple times. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of country sayings that I've heard. Yeah. There's a lot of them. You know, the interesting, you know, talking Northern, like when I was in Ohio, yeah. people said, use guys instead of y'all. <laughs> and then somewhere else, they say Ewans. Ewans. Where's that? Oh, it's in the hills. Yeah. Uh, Ewans. Yeah. And I, I'll use that sarcastically. What'd they say in Chicago for plural group of people? Uh, 
you guys. Yeah. So Cincinnati just ran or it together. you, right? Or like just it's a you as a general plurality. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Ohio was used guys. And they would, when you didn't know what somebody was saying, they would say, please. Yeah. What? Yeah. Hey. So if you said something and I couldn't understand you, I'd go, please. And you would know to say it again. That's interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't know mess to, me all to say it again at all. No, mess. I was like, excuse me? It just can't be like, hey, what'd you say? They're like, please. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I never knew what to say. And where, uh, was that Cincinnati? Cincinnati. Which yeah. is not far from where you grew up. No, not at all. No, it's right across the river. Right. But even in, okay, so even in, I've got, my extended family all live in Kenton County, Kentucky, which is just south of Cincinnati, right across the river. Uh, it's the same county with Covington. If you ever fly into Cincinnati, you're flying into the greater Cincinnati airport, which is actually in northern Kentucky. It's really confusing, but it is. Yeah. That's the way it goes. But it, northern Kentucky, that little area, there's a little slice of Kenton County that is, that is just like Cincinnati. They don't drink sweet tea. They have a different accent. It's real. It's real weird. It's kind real weird. They're very it, northern. It is northern, and very it's Yankee like. It is, and it it just right there on the river. It it's like it stops at the river. Well, so many people moved there for like war stuff, like World War Two, from like oh, really? West Virginia hills of Kentucky. I think it just got blended all together, and it's like, ooh, we're create our own language. It is. It's a little different. I have an aunt who has a really has a northern accent. Very strong. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine has a wife. She married a wife from northern Kentucky. And she would say things. And I was like, aren't you from Kentucky? Yeah. Like, it was That's really funny. it was really confusing. Yeah. Like, Chicago has a very unique yeah. accent. For sure. Yeah. And there's, we were, uh, my family met up this past summer in uh, Tennessee for a week. And we were talking a little bit about that. Because, I, I mean, I was in fifth grade, I think, when we moved to to Arizona. So I don't have much of it unless I'm around them. And then there's a few things that I'll start to say. Um, my oldest sister has a little bit more of it in her, uh, in the way that she talks. Um, but again, it you don't even hardly notice it. And the, the thing about the accent from Chicago, unless you're like there, born and raised, whole time, still there, uh, you lose it really quickly. So even when I talk to people here that are from Chicago, it's not like, oh yeah, you sound like you're from Chicago. Now Minnesota, on the other hand, those guys. Really? I don't know. My friend uh, D. Olson. Everything is bag and bag, and she she huh. it 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 sticks out. Yeah, and we have two. We used to make fun of her. All we have time. two East Coast guys who are from Boston, and it is like oh nice straw. Uh, oh, Paw. you can. Yeah, Ed and Stan are their names. And for sure, like their accent is powerful. Yeah. It's like, oh man, so fun to hear you guys talk. That's hilarious. I met a family here um, walking them in on Sunday from South Carolina. And they had a very thick Southern accent. And I was like, oh, these are my people. Yeah. it's You're right though. Arizona doesn't have one. Because I remember I moved from Arizona to Kentucky and came back and visited a couple years later. And they, all my friends just gave me such a hard time. That's <laughs> they were like, how did you just say the word Kentucky? And I was like, I don't know, Kentucky. 
there and I you know just a couple of years just in the south it is pick it up prominent like mm-hmm. and then like Louisiana that people would be like are you from here you sound like you're from here and I'm like yeah I am it's fine that's really funny. like I went to school with you I was like you yeah you did we graduated <laughs> high school together it's fine like you look like you you're you sure you're not you sure you didn't grow up here I'm like I'm pretty sure but maybe I did look that's I go I back to the what was the name of the coach from LSU a couple of years oh, ago? Oh, Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron. They literally had to put subtitles mm-hmm. every time they interviewed him so because you couldn't understand. He what called he was into saying. a local talk show once a week. <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm talking, it was the most glorious <laughs> time. And they'd get a couple other coaches who were also super, super Cajun, and they would get to going. And it was like, I'm, are they. Is that English? It isn't. It, is it isn't. It so, really isn't. So great story. I'm coaching a basketball team in Louisiana. We go to we go to New Iberia, which is South Louisiana. It's um, kind of between Lake Charles, Baton Rouge area. So it's pretty d- down south. So it's Cajun, like where we were, Northwest Louisiana, Texas, and all the blend, Arkansas. It wasn't super Cajun, but anyway. So I go down south, coaching this game. And we're playing a team. It's a pretty hotly contested game. Um, and I'm pretty intense. Um, obviously, you know, if you came to the seven-year-old basketball game that I coached, I was really intense. So imagine high school. So we're sitting there. My, my assistant coach is also from southern Louisiana. So I'm, like, trying to talk to the referee. I'm trying to engage him. And I look at my assistant coach. And I'm like, hey. Does he just not understand me because he can't understand me? Or is he ignoring me? And about that time, he turns around and makes a call. And I was like, oh, he doesn't understand me because I don't understand him. I don't understand. I was like, could you translate that for me, please? Like, what did he just say? This should be like a really, but it was like, coach, like just this accent that you hear it and you go, yep, you're from south of Lafayette. I know where you're from. Yeah. Very quickly. So was it was it Southern or was it also like the Creole influence? Yes. So it was a little French-ish. Yes. That's, that's where it gets a little weird. Uh, and weird for me because I just don't hear it ever. No. But when I was in the Dominican, we spent a lot of time with people in the Haitian Pates that were mostly Creole. And the, uh, yeah, there is a distinct dialect to it that is really, really interesting. It's hard to, like, and it's hard to pick up. It is. And you... And, you know, honestly, too, the Creole side of it, right, with the French, it just is. Well, Ed Orgeron is not, it's not French. I don't know what he, I mean, it sounds like he's. But he's Creole because he's from, like, south of Baton Rouge. He's from, like, Ascension uh, Parish. It sounds like he's got marbles in his mouth. Like, literally, Uh, that's that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. He's talking. And so. That's all of it. for, (laughs) For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, just Google Ed Orgeron interview and. Try to understand what he's saying. It's it's, it's so good. It's so good. You guys have any pet peeve words, words or phrases that drive you nuts when people either mispronounce or say wrong? Yeah. 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 Jason has something when people say he corrects all the time. Oh, it drives me nuts when people say, I could care less. That's it. That's the one. It it makes me crazy. It's not, I could care less. The phrase is, I couldn't care less. Because when you say, I could care less, what you're saying is, there's a level of caring, and there could be less of that level of caring. When you say, I couldn't care less, 
there is no level below it because there is no caring whatsoever. So yeah. when people get that one wrong, it drives me crazy. I don't have many of those. I do have one word that you mispronounce every single time you say it. It <laughs> drives me just insane. Okay. The word especially. What do I say? When you say the word especially, meaning special in proportion to the rest, you say especially. Every single time you say hmm. it. And I hear it all the time, and I don't think we've ever talked about it. But it drives me insane. <laughs> I, I feel like this could be a moment. I feel we need to put some CTO into we might need to today. interesting. We might need to no for whatever reason. It's like uh, espresso. It's like the same thing there, where people say espresso, as in like the express version of coffee. That's not how it's spelled. It's espresso, two s's. So, so I say especially, especially. Not especially, because it is special. Let's spell it with yes. Donna gets on me all the time about things I say. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not that guy usually for whatever reason that like word drives all, me insane. So my son did it last night. I go, yeah, let's go home and watch the Bengals game. He goes, dad, it's Bengals. Oh. Because <laughs> Diana gets on me all the time. My 10-year-old was like, B, you say it too. I know you, you do. You do say Bengals. We do say it the same way. Which is interesting. And I was like, Judah goes, dad, that's not how you say it. And I was like, you did not just <laughs> do what your mom does to me. He did straight, okay. like not even. So he, you say bangles? Cincinnati bangles. Bangles, yeah. But it's not that. Me too. That, but everyone that is from there would say bingles as if there's an I in the word that there's not. Uh -huh. But I'm with you. Yeah. So in the lobby a couple of weeks ago, we had this conversation related to how you pronounce cities. And there was mm. this guy who comes up and says, hey, I've got a friend who lives back in Kentucky. And we were talking about... Uh, of, of being being in the area, and he's from Versailles. <laughs> Versailles. You say Versailles? Yeah, uh, it's for sure Versailles. Just like the Louisville Cardinals are playing. Yeah, I will say Louisville. That's the Louisville. one that I think I've got pretty close got for that never one. having been there. Louisville. Yeah, it's just Louisville. Louisville. So, yeah, Louisville. Yeah. But he was like Ver Versailles, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, it's not. No, that's like a French town. It is, yeah. and it's spelled the exactly the same. But it's we definitely we aren't French. No, no. And we no. are not, and so it is pronounced Versailles. Yeah. And there's several cities like that. There's a um, Miami, Oklahoma, that that is spelled exactly like Miami, but it's not Miami. It's Miami. In your great state of Illinois, there is a San Joe's. Hmm. Of course, not San Jose. <laughs> not San Jose. In fact, it was. And then, and so he was kind of complaining about the, you know, uh, how dumb it was that they pronounced. And I said, you do realize you don't live in Prescott. Yes, we live <laughs> in Prescott. <laughs> and he was like, uh, touche. There you go. That's that was it. a that was a uh, strategic decision, and so was San Joe's. <laughs> really, yeah. they made it as a part. There was a huge uh, Hispanic, uh, a Hispanic influx into that area that helped create this town. But they wanted to put it with a. They made them <laughs> pronounce it with an English uh, pronunciation, so it's San Joe's. Yeah, the funny thing about the state of Illinois is uh, a lot of times people talk to me about where they're from. And um, I've got to break the news that like when you're in Chicago, I like I was there, what would that have been? 10, 12 years, maybe. I don't know that I ever went south of the south side of Chicago. No. Yeah, why would you? I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I lived down there. You did. No, they oh, don't, you they don't count. Too. They don't, Wait. nothing south of 70. That's no. the cutoff. Uh -huh. So there's an interstate on the south yeah. side. Nothing south of 70 counts. Yep. 
Yeah, just go look up some parish names in Louisiana and then come back to me. Yeah. yeah. Those are real fun to learn how to say. Yeah. You're like, Afalacha? What? That, that's it? You know, they're looking at yeah. you like, I think I just throw something out there and they'll be like, oh. Mm-hmm. Makes yeah. sense. And Southern, you know, Southern Louisiana, they don't believe that Northern Louisiana exists. They're yeah. like, Yankee? Yeah. I'm like, a Yankee? <laughs> <laughs> like, golly, I'm in your state. <laughs> so, do you all remember the, the uh, show... Um, Roseanne Barr show. What was that? Roseanne. Roseanne. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so you remember the show that was set in Southern Illinois? Oh, yeah. nice. Mm, that feels right. <laughs> that was set in Southern Illinois. So anybody south of seventy just yeah. thinks everybody down there is Roseanne. That's I what's know it's going real agricultural. There. <laughs> There's a lot of corn and soybeans. That's what I know. I've hung out uh, Mount Carmel, Illinois, yeah. though, which is right there, kind of. Which doesn't have caramel or mountains. It does not. They've got a <laughs> sweet football stadium, though. It's called the Snake Pit. Yeah. Nice. They got a cool entrance. So yeah. shout out to my boy, Sean Dilbeck. So um, he took us there. It was fun, man. It was a blast. But a lot of very blue collar yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. workers. I mean, they work, uh, most of them are like welders on the top of those power plant stacks. Oh, nice. So two, 300 feet, you know, just hard work. That's a job. Yeah. Um, very interesting. A lot of Catholics in Illinois. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there are. Even in Southern Illinois, just so you know. It's Interesting. Big, it's big population. It's good to know. There. All right. So we've. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah, they're probably. <laughs> people are like, ah, are they going to stop? What are we doing? <laughs> uh, hey, let's, uh, let's jump in. We wrapped up um, our Excel series this past weekend. It was Commitment Sunday. Um, been talking about this a lot, obviously, over the last six weeks, and um, figured this could just be a good space to talk about. Uh, yeah, some of the highlights from the series, some of the things that stood out to us, um, and you know, kind of what this series has caused us to wrestle with um, around our generosity. So uh, let's start there. What are you guys walking away from this series? Kind of shifting. We'll talk a little bit about the next one in a bit, but um, what feels like it's stuck? So for me, again, going in. Obviously, we picked this text, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, because we know it talks about generosity. And But after working through it all, again, it just I came away with just even a, such a greater appreciation for the deep, rich theological foundation that Paul lays in this text related to generosity. And just to point to one, you know, when he te- talks about you know, that Christ, who was rich, became poor mm. so that from his poverty, we might become rich. Mm. Like, that theological foundation, that you could you could just lean into that theology and explore it for weeks. I mean, there's just so much to that, and it's just so powerful. So, I just walked away again with such a deep appreciation for... Um, just this text and how much the the idea of generosity is a component of our discipleship and a reflection of us becoming like Jesus. So that's what I walked away with. Yeah, I thought it was a great series. Um, I was telling somebody, I heard a couple of times, uh, you know, just some of the pushback of like, hey, we're talking about it again. And I was like, man, I, I, honestly, I think as a believer, I'm going to always need money, finances, generosity talked about 
because like you said in maybe the second sermon, it reveals where most of my idols sit. Um, and so I always need to be confronted with it. Like that's yeah. just the reality that I've come to now as, um, you know, middle-aged follower of Jesus. I'm going to need to hear this talk all the time. And so I know like for some of you, it was like, ah, man, we're going to keep, you know, six weeks. It seems like such a long time. But honestly, when I look at us as a culture, just my own life, this is the thing that sometimes prevents me from maybe being a better disciple, right? And so I need to hear about it. Um, and so I hope I hope people who are genuinely trying to take their faith and become a better disciple are also having that same, like, man, yeah, I, I get it. It does make people uncomfortable. The funny word you used, you know, the the joke on Sunday, oh, this is what we get when we talk about money in church, you yeah. know? Um, gamophobia. Gamophobia. But it is so true. It It is such a revealer uh, in my life. Again, and so when you said that, it, I began to look to go, man, yeah, he's right. I don't have a love of money, right? Like, I, you know, it's not like I'm trying to chase after it and be a Fortune 500 guy, but it, it very, very quickly can help you diagnose a lot of things. So, yeah. And I feel like that's maybe, um, there was so much good out of the series. Um, one of the things that it kind of left me desiring, not the series, but just, you know, some of the, the contents of, of the messages and was just wrestling with men. Why is this so hard to talk about? Cause we don't talk about money very often, like as a local church no. compared to many churches. No. Uh, Especially when you, I wonder, there's got to be a study out there of like biblical topics. Finances are a biblical topic, all, especially throughout the, the New Testament. You see it all over the place. Like how much time is spent on which biblical themes? And I would yeah. be willing to bet, at least for us, would be true that we probably, for as much as it's talked about in scripture, talk the very least about it compared to many other topics. Um, so that aside, uh, what it left me desiring was just a culture that can talk about something like this without all of the defense, mm -hmm. right? Without all of the natural um, negative reaction of there's something in us. So rather than thinking about it, I think many of us probably hit that wall and thought, man, what's God doing in me mm -hmm. that's causing this tension? What is he trying to strip me of or refine me uh, in through this, this series? And uh, yeah, it just left me desiring our openness and willingness to do that for, with a hard topic like finances. I think we're willing to do that with other hard topics that maybe we don't have that initial kind of angst about, but for whatever reason within the local church. Um, finances are really hard to talk about. Then again, yeah. we had some hard conversations around that stuff. And, um, you know, even more so in my mind, it's like, oh, there's something there that, again, I, I feel personally like God's trying to strip me of some of my control of my finances, yeah. some of the um, the thoughts that I have on saving and, and whatever else it is. You know, with that though, there were, we all had great conversations too. Oh, yeah. People who oh, were- 100%. Excited and challenged, and already took steps, and so we we've got to see that side oh, of it too. Sure. So we don't want to paint it like it's all negative. That's coming from me, by the, the way. pessimist. <laughs> wow. So there were there were, yeah. you know, and so that was good. You know, yeah. it it, but it for sure it does hit a tender spot for many of us, and uh, 
there that is something worth wrestling with. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I think our culture and our Western Christian, I think it's just is something that's always going to have to be talked about. Yeah, right. I I just imagine in other parts of the world, probably not having these discussions or maybe not that tension around it because it's such a different yeah. context and culture. But so much of our uh, culture is driven by yeah. some of that consumer uh, is a mindset. Yeah. And so when you push up against that, it does, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, we're very, as a culture, very individualistic. And so I do think we just kind of poked, poked at a thing. Again, that's why for me though, you know, as a, uh, you know, as a church for the past year and a half, I've been here, like we're pretty, pretty open to offend on everything. Like we're, we don't usually hold back. And so for me, this is another area that I'm like, oh, I need to be offended by this because I'm guessing my uh, mind has been shaped in some way by a culture. Yeah. And I have to actually look at what the yeah. word of God says. And that's why I loved, again, it wasn't like we didn't preach through a book, but these are two large sections of chapters yeah. that talked primarily about generosity. Yeah. Then not including the text about what Jesus said about it yeah. and all the other things. So yeah. um, again, so, we still dealt with it biblically. Like that's, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. It wasn't just a, hey, we're going to talk about generosity. Here's one text and we're going to spend six. No, no. Like we, every week it was in the text. Seeing, same context. Yeah, same, same context. Yep. Same author. Studying through going, oh man, this is, this is a very big deal. To give two chapters in a book of the Bible to it's a big yeah. deal. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that Western mindset piece is, I think, a huge component of this that I think we leave out sometimes. Uh, let me share with you guys. I don't even know if you, we haven't even talked about this. I had a fairly emotional interaction with somebody on Sunday, hmm. somebody who'd been around for a long time, back even when we were worshiping in the student building. And, um, just really concerned about um, the commitment card itself and the public com- part component of the commitment, you know, walking forward, putting the commitment card in. And they struggle with that. And and again, I know you guys talked a little bit about that on the podcast last week. Yep. Um, so I was listening to you guys as I was working on the never-ending tile project in my house. <laughs> the... And so I'm sharing with him, and he was just like, you know, again, it came back to, you know, the Matthew 6, and, and you know, don't let your left hand know what the right hand is doing and that whole idea, and aren't we publicizing this in a way that's that's dishonoring? And and I shared some of the same thoughts that I'd shared before, and, um, you know, like, I, I used a couple of examples, like what like if I walk up to somebody and I share the 20 bucks with them, do they know I gave them 20 bucks? If I see a homeless guy and I hand them $20, do they know I handed them $20? He's probably counting. Yeah. He's probably counting. He's already That's gone. He's right. But the answer is yes. Of course he knows. that. So Jesus wasn't saying that the person who's receiving this should never know. He's saying you don't make a show of it. You don't put the Instagram picture out there of you handing the 20 bucks. That's Gen the point. Z. <laughs> uh, I said, think about the Good Samaritan, right? This this guy who goes and takes the guy to the hotel and bandages his wound, and he pays the hotel owner. And then he says to him, um, if there's any other, any other um bills that come due for this guy, I'll yeah. come back and I'll pay them. So again, I said that the what Jesus is saying is not 
no one ever will know about this and should never know. That's not what Jesus is saying. And then I later on that night, it hit me, or maybe it was even on the way home. It hit me, what is the greatest picture of offering that we're given in the New Testament? Uh, after the resurrection of Jesus. Oh, I was going to say, that's a softball question. Yeah. The, uh, after the resurrection, in, in the context of the church. And the answer is in Acts, was it four, five, Barnabas? six? Barnabas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get this picture where it says in the text, Luke records for us, that the church took care of each other in a financial way. And it said, and oftentimes, someone would sell a piece of land and come and bring the money and lay it at the apostles' feet. And I thought, if that's not public, how would Luke know? And then he specifically says, and there was a guy, and his name was Joseph. The apostles called him Barnabas because he was a son of encouragement. And he sold off a piece of land and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And so you get this picture that even in the local church, the the goal was not secrecy in, in giving. It was very public. Everybody in the church knew Barnabas had sold off a piece of land and brought it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Like that was part of the ceremony of the church. And it, that is then juxtaposed to Ananias and Sapphira who sold off a piece of land and then tried to make it a public spectacle about their generosity and ended up lying to the Holy Spirit, trying to gain glory for themselves of this generosity. They did the exact same thing that Barnabas did with the offering, but they did it in a way to gain glory, not to give glory. Peter is very clear in that. Too. That's it right. Like, it wasn't about you, the money. He was like, we didn't even, there wasn't a requirement. No, right? you there didn't was, have to do that. You yeah. could have kept the money for yourself. But you lied. That's right. It was yeah. about the gaining of the glory. And so again, we've just come to this thing that it has to be this secret thing. And it was. it's not in scripture. It's not a secret thing. Hmm. Again, what Jesus is trying to teach in Matthew chapter six is don't be doing it for your own glory. Well, right. It's all the same as when you're fasting, put oil on your head right. so as to not be a martyr, right? right. It's yeah. all it's all the same. It's so, literally in the same breath. context. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, and it, again, even like talking through Matthew 6, which is a Sermon on the Mount, which is all about a new way to live within the kingdom of God. Right. So it tells us that very likely there were people who were not doing it quietly right. and were doing for it sure. for show. That's right. We know that, yeah. right? And so, again, because even Jesus calls out the ladies offering. That's right. And says, I'm going to tell about it forever. Yeah. The alabaster jar is a huge offering yeah. of money poured out on Jesus' yeah. feet. Yeah. I'm going to share this story all over the place. And everywhere the gospel goes, this story will be told. So, so yeah, I, I will say, because, so because of that, I, even in our discipleship group, um, I um, was much more even very specific with my group. So they actually know my number. Yeah. Like, because I felt like I need to take away some of the secrecy power. Yeah. I'm bringing it to the light. Yeah. Like, I just don't want to live in the darkness yeah. anymore. Again, that was my decision. Yeah. And I know some people aren't like that. And again, yeah. I don't know if I'd tell everybody in our no, church, but no. I do have this group of four people that very clearly, yeah. like, I wanted them to be like, hey, no, this is what our, yeah. fa-. and again, they may not have the context, but 
I want them to know like, hey, this is what we're doing. Because again, this area in my life, what I know is very quickly can get out of hand if we're not actually trying to have people speak into it and hold us accountable. So for me personally, that was this whole series, really this whole year that we've been talking about this has been much more, again, I'm always pretty open about anything, but even more like, yeah, I think, I think people need to know, like, like that's why we asked the questions in the discipleship group, like, Hey, are you spending any money in secret? But why would we do that? Well, because we know literally if you're probably doing that, it's not good. Right. You, you know there's what I mean? a shame connected yeah, to it. Yeah, there's a shame connected to it. So, um, you know, how are you doing just with your finances and your giving and that kind of stuff? And so we got to have at least some people that we can do that with. Yeah. I, again, it just hit me, that whole Barnabas piece, just imagining him yeah. in the middle of a service, walking up with this, and he laid it down, and everybody saw it. Yeah. And his name is recorded in the scriptures, telling us of this moment. Um so somewhere we've we've missed something. Yeah. Um, well, we took the Matthew six out of context. Yeah, I mean that's yeah that's probably yeah what we've done. <laughs> I am. I will say right, like the series is over. You know, we can kind of move on from talking about it on Sunday mornings, every Sunday morning, and the yeah. message, all that stuff. But the thing I am looking forward to is just uh, for those of us who did take a big step, right? Like I, I feel like Courtney personally took a, a step. It may not be considered a massive step, but I feel like it is a really big. Uh, you know, walk a walk of faith for us, and I'm just encouraged, or I'm I'm looking forward to the encouragement that, that I think we're all going to experience over the next two years uh, as we see the way this plays out, right? Because like this is the commitment piece, but in a month we're going to start actually, you know, acting out on that commitment, and I think there's going to be a lot of encouragement that comes from the, that season of ministry for for our church over the course of the next two years. Uh, and I just, I look forward to hearing the stories of faith that people, um, you know, hopefully will share with us and and all of that. Because I, again, I genuinely believe that we're going to be better uh, for for surrendering more of this area of our life to Jesus. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Excited. And so I'd just say, hey, all of you guys that came and were part of Advanced Commitment Night and Commitment Sunday, I just want to say thank you. Yeah. Like it's such yeah. an encouragement to know that, that you're in and that you're with us. And so many of you shared that with us, not just through uh, bringing a card forward, but just in your words and your excitement. And so I just want to say thanks. Um, and there's some too who ha- are not, wouldn't say consistent of every week. And I remember seeing some people six weeks in a row. Yeah. yeah. Who they did what we asked. Yeah. So even if you walked away and maybe weren't ready to make a commitment, yeah. you did at least in that. You, That's you an said, engagement. I showed up for six weeks yeah. and I just listened. Yeah. Now it may have been at the end you weren't ready to take that. But yeah. you did take a step. That's yeah. a huge a piece because yeah. what I know is if you're six weeks in the local body hanging out with believers, like your life was probably a little more encouraged. Yeah. And you kind of built that routine. So that that was a really cool thing too, yeah. you know, um, to kind of see. Yeah, a lot of good for sure. Uh, let's talk about what's next for a little bit. Yeah, baby. Where are we going from here? Yeah. So, you know, we're we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So, if you were here on Sunday, uh, two out of the three services, Josh shared. I think he missed it at the eleven. I don't. Think no, I did. shared. Uh, I, I missed it. I didn't you hear did, you then. say it because I for sure shared. The we're kicking off a series on the Holy Spirit, and so. Yeah. Um, 
For those of us who come from a Christian church background or a Restoration Church background, the Holy Spirit is the weird cousin that nobody ever talks about. It's like the the funky uncle that everybody wants to kind of leave behind. And so this is an opportunity for us to lean in and say, what does the scriptures teach us about the Holy Spirit? I think, and this is just coming from my own personal walk, is um, I think there is that the Christian life, we're making it a lot harder than it is because we have left out the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so this, uh, I told my wife a couple of weeks ago, as I was writing the first week of this sermon, I said, I'm preaching the two series that I most dreaded for the last six years, right. 10 years. I didn't want to do Romans, and I didn't want to do the Holy Spirit. I felt like I was not, and I still do, I'm not equipped to preach these messages. I don't have the, uh, the uh, yeah, I just don't have it. And so this is really uh, leaning on the Word of God and the Spirit of God to to tackle these, these conversations. So, um, I just hope you join us on the journey. I think it's going to be great. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, poor Nate. Um, I told him for week one of this series. I'm like, dude, I there is there are so many scriptures that I have in this week. We're probably going to have to cut some of them on our <laughs> on our Wednesday walkthrough here because there's so many of them. I think he said there were 20, 26 slides, which is funny because we got our weird Google review. Not weird. We had a Google review that said we didn't use enough Bible. So there it is. If they're coming, if they're coming, if they're coming back this week, there'll be there'll be more than enough. If you, if you so jump so, in. let's talk about this. So it it is somewhat unique in a series, like we, um, but not unique, right? Because I want people to to feel this. So I don't want you to think that it is a topical sermon, so to speak. Right? We would call this more. As you kind of even framed it for all of us when we were about to jump into this, more of a character study. So if yes. you've been around Quad City for a while, yes. it may feel similar to some other character studies like Joseph, yeah, Joseph yeah. Uh, David. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, who else have we done? Uh, Elijah. Um, yeah, we've 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 do we've done several of them. So it's gonna so just for you listeners, it's gonna feel like that. So we may not go through like all of Romans or all of Philippians, but we're. So again, it's not going to be the same text every week or a chapter, but it is going to be obviously all throughout the word. Because again, I think that's what we also haven't, we've missed is that the spirit's been here, yeah. you know, so it's going to be a lot of Bible. And the, yeah. it'll be yeah. a little bit different than those in just one regard, which is the texts will be a little more diverse than yes. some of those char- Old Testament characters yeah. really specifically. But here's the thing that the realization I came to, because I was pushing for a more of a, uh, you know, let's grab a book after Excel and just dig through a book. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, Holy Spirit's going to be awesome. Is this the time? Yeah. I was more the skeptic this, this go around. But the conclusion I came to was, if we do what we do, as we've done what Jason has done here for the last 15 years, which is predominantly uh, teaching large chunks of Scripture, then there are just some things we're not going to get a full, right. extensive understanding of, like the power and role and person of the Holy Spirit, because it's spaced throughout Scripture in yeah. so many different books and so many different letters and uh, from different authors and different perspectives. 
Uh, there's Jesus's words on the spirit. There's all mm. sorts of other apostles' words on the spirit that we can look at, but we're never going to get two chapters in a book of the Bible that are dedicated to the Holy Spirit. So for us, it's like, hey, I love just as much as everyone else going verse by verse, line by line. But sometimes we do need to take, uh, you know, a, a season and dedicate it to, hey, we have this, I think we have this a little bit sideways, our understanding of the role yeah. of the whole, and personhood of the Holy Spirit. And maybe we just need to dedicate a few weeks to that. And it's okay that we jump around in the text, but we're going to use all texts that help us better understand yeah. the holistically who is this and how does it apply yeah. in our lives? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because you mentioned, right. The Christian church, that's your background, but like Baptist didn't get it right. Right. A lot of, a lot of denominations don't have this full, you know, uh, uh biblical understanding of the role of the Holy spirit in our lives. So and we're all over. I think that's the thing yeah. is it's all over the map. Our church, you mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Churches in general, every, but yeah, but our church specifically. Yeah. Our yeah. church specifically have people from so many backgrounds, from Church of Christ to Assemblies of God, and yeah. so yeah, it's uh, there's a big so you, swath, and so we all walk in, in with that. Yeah. <laughs> we all walk in with that. We bring in our own suitcases, yeah. right? We all have our baggage that we're coming in, good and bad. Yeah, um, and so this is going to be an opportunity for us to yeah. uh, view all of it through mm -hmm. the lens of scripture. And the hope is, is, is back to our Roman stuff is like, there's going to be some open-handed things within yeah. this conversation sure. about the Holy Spirit. There's going to be some closed-handed things yeah. too, right? And it's, so we're, we're may disagree. Uh, we're going to disagree. I already know this is going to be, <laughs> yeah. some, we're going to have a couple of weeks that I 100% we know we're going to have people we we disagree with. Um, and that's okay. Like that's part of the reason why I think we're doing this yeah. is, like we aren't afraid to tackle some of these really hard topics because this is, again, one of those within the church yeah. that for sure divides as yeah. well. And if we know anything about the topic of the Holy Spirit and his role and, uh, you know, whatever else from a biblical perspective, if we know anything about that, then whatever your preconceived notions of this series are, it's probably not that. Probably <laughs> so not. come eager to, oh, yeah. to learn and hear and, and digest and wrestle with um, as we always do. Uh, any any good resources that you've been reading just in preparation for this? So there's a couple of, of books that um, I, I just picked up. Max Cicado, um, who I think has more printed books in publication. I think I read that stat. He's got like 145 different books that he's done. <laughs> It's a lot. That's 145. Like, books and resources. Wow. So it could be a workbook that goes along with a book. Okay. A, like yeah. 145. His Grace uh, for the Moment devotional was a game changer for me when I was 19. So, so Max Cicado wrote one a couple of years ago uh, called Help is Here. And so I've been reading through that one a little bit. Uh, one that I think all of us have read at one point or another. It came out about 10 years ago. Yep. Uh, is maybe longer. I, I think, think it was more than yeah, fifteen. So Two thousand nine, I think, is what we said. So it's Francis Chan, and he wrote a book um, called uh, "The Forgotten God," and it is a book all on the Holy Spirit. So that's a, a great one. And Francis Chan is super easy to read, very simple and quick. Um, and so pretty engaging author, very challenging. Uh, mm -hmm. half of most of Francis Chan that I've read, I always end up wondering if I'm even a Christian. So that's usually <laughs> how it ends with Francis Chan. So yeah. just know that going in. Yeah. But uh, he wrote a book called Forgotten God. So if you want to 
pick that one up. That'd be another good resource. Yeah. yeah. I've got one by Gordon Fee. It's called Paul, the Spirit of God, and uh, the, Paul, the Church, Spirit of God, and the People of God, or something like that. But Gordon Fee was like a New Testament, like one of the gurus of New Testament uh, commentaries, theology, and stuff. So he wrote specifically the words of Paul and the Spirit, because it's a pretty big theme in the gospel, or the gospel, the writings of Paul. Yeah. Um, so sure. um, I picked it up actually when we were in Romans, mm. Romans 8, when we were trying to nail in yeah. Yeah. the whole Spirit piece, yeah. and Abba Father, and yeah. what does that mean, and the longings and yearnings of the yeah. Spirit. Um, and I was like, somebody's had to have written on this who's way smarter than me. So <laughs> Gordon Fee is like a lot of people's go-to when it talks about um, some of, and I think he's, I mean, I mean, maybe even in the Pentecostal camp. I don't remember what he is, but um, most people respect his work. So I was like, ah, let me read it. Let me yeah. see. Let me be challenged in my own thing. So if you're more academic, that would probably be maybe a decent resource for you. Um, and if you've got some, hey, if you've read a great book or something, I, you know, I'm always willing to engage in, you know, some thought process. So yeah, sure. I always love good That's book good. recommendations. Cool. Yeah, we're uh, we're really looking forward to that. We'll kick off this Sunday and we'll be in that for quite a few weeks. And uh, then before we know it, it's going to be Christmas. So here we are. Here we are. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, anything else? No. Enjoy football season. Whoop. Kentucky playing this Florida. weekend. Florida. Noon. If you want to watch. Have fun. All right. See you guys. All right. Well, that is a wrap on our last Becoming Better uh, podcast through the series of Excel. We're so glad you joined us uh, for this show today and for this uh, this season as we walked through how to grow in the grace of giving as a church together. As always, if you have any questions, please join us at quadcity.church/podcast, where you can submit your questions or comments to be answered or spoken about right here on the show. And last but not least, we hope you do join us back for our new series, uh, Someone's Missing, that starts this upcoming Sunday. Uh, Can't wait for that, and we look forward to seeing you very soon.